It has been almost a year since the Silver Threads program on emptiness syndrome offered advice on thriving and surviving life without living children. In that time, now a full year into the changes that the pandemic has required, the empty nest has in many cases filled up again. Adult children moving back in with parents, sometimes with their families, is not that uncommon. The February 2021 New York Times article by Steve Kuritz, Getting to Know You Again, tells how this can give both generations new insight and a chance at a different kind of relationship. On the flip side of that, the pandemic has also encouraged many families wanting to keep older relatives safe and close to give serious thought to adding accessory dwelling units. The February New York Times article by Charlotte Cowles, Housing Parents in a Pandemic, How About the Backyard, offers more on that. And I'll begin with getting to know you again. Patricia Mitchell was newly widowed, still grieving and adjusting to living alone after 50 years of marriage, when her daughter Emily Mitchell Merrill called last March. It was the early days of the coronavirus pandemic and lockdowns. Ms. Mitchell Merrill had recently given birth to a baby girl. She also had a four-year-old son and the schools in Brooklyn, where she lives, had been closed. Ms. Mitchell, a 74-year-old retired family therapist, heard the stress and panic in her daughter's voice. Having a baby, a job, a son, and a pandemic was completely overwhelming her, she said. Emily asked to come here. And so, in the kind of surprising life upheaval the pandemic has made almost commonplace, Miss Mitchell's youngest daughter, her son-in-law, and two grandchildren moved into her rambling old house outside Woodstock, New York. Eleven months later, the family is still there, eating dinner together every night and amazed to be doing so. I have not spent this kind of time with Emily in 20 years, Miss Mitchell said. Her tone was that of someone who had received a complicated gift. Last July... A remarkable survey by the Pew Research Center found that more than half of people between the ages of 18 and 29 were living with their parents. Not since the Great Depression had so many adult children dwelled at home. It wasn't only young adults either. Job losses, school closings, or other pandemic-induced reasons have driven many older children, like Ms. Mitchell Merrill, who is 40, back to the nest. Because the young dominate the public's attention and because they own the bully pulpit of social media, the demographic phenomenon has been told largely from their viewpoint. The consensus attitude was perhaps best expressed by the young woman who made a TikTok set to the tune of New York by Alice Keyes describing her quarantine with her mom and dad in the burbs. Sample lyric, my parents won't let me use their car. My friends all live too far. 25 minutes from Dallas, Dallas, Dallas. But as a middle-aged woman named Randy Cohen, whose 30-year-old daughter moved home to Columbus, Ohio last spring, said, in what sounded like mild aggrievement, there is another side to all of this. Ah, yes, the side that doesn't express themselves on TikTok. Imagine you have dutifully raised your children and released them into the world. 
growing accustomed to infrequent visits around the holidays, and then suddenly you're back, a decade or more later, sleeping in their old bedrooms and sacking the fridge. It's the sort of whiplash plot Hollywood movies are built on. Yet for millions of parents during the pandemic, it became a reality. Whether it played as a domestic comedy or psychological thriller depends on individual family dynamics, but every parent-child relationship is, to varying degrees, an emotional minefield. Navigating it successfully only grows harder when the child living in your house is all grown up. How do you make a 30-year-old pick up his dirty laundry? Reflecting on her experience over the past year, Ms. Mitchell expressed both gratitude and fatigue. She had the chance to observe up close her daughter's happy marriage and mature approach toward work and motherhood, which has been gratifying as a parent. Helping her raise her granddaughter from birth has been really a treat. And a welcome distraction from her grief and loneliness. Her son-in-law became the man of the house, doing chores and repairs. But living in a crowded, active, child-centered household again at her age can be exhausting. There's more food shopping and dishes and cleaning and laundry, Ms. Mitchell said. The noise level? The house wakes up very early. The level of activity is a bit shocking to my system, if you want to know the truth. Parents have had to make adjustments of all kinds as they welcome back children whose lives may have diverged widely from their own and of which they may have only a vague idea. Empty nesters, they've been plunged back into hands-on parenting and asked to fill seemingly exotic requests. He has a trainer that he works with, and his trainer also has a specific diet for him, said Janet Schaffler, 65, about her 34-year-old son, Kyle, who lives in Manhattan and came home to Indianapolis for two months at the start of the pandemic, and then again for weeks-long stretches. Ms. Schaffler, who handles the cooking and shopping, found herself running what amounted to an Equinox juice bar out of her kitchen. Everything had to be weighed. It was high protein, no bad carbs, she said. I needed to go to Trader Joe's to buy this, another supermarket for that, on top of shopping and cooking for herself and her husband, making sure everyone had what they needed. I never had any rest. Ms. Cohen discovered that her daughter, Hannah Berkeley Cohen, while living in Cuba as a freelance journalist and tour guide, had evidently become a gourmet. Because back home in Ohio, she now objected to her parents' more simple meals. She comes in, and she's a foodie, and she's appalled by what we eat. We don't spend an hour preparing food and adding sauces, because that's what she and her boyfriend do, Ms. Cohen said. We had some talks about, this is how we live. If you want to make dinner for us, that's lovely. Bill Vian, 58, welcomed his daughter and son, both in their 20s, back home to Vermont for several months last year. His daughter, Corrine, co-hosts Two Girls, One Ghost, a podcast about ghosts and the paranormal. Mr. Vian and his wife were asked to maintain complete silence. No talking, no TV, not even shoes on the hardwood floors, while she recorded for three hours twice a week. 
My wife never lets laundry get ahead of her, Mr. Vian said. Of course, we have one of those washers and dryers that makes a chime. For Diane Camara, whose 25-year-old son, Jared Alexander, an actor and writer, moved back into her home in Stratford, Connecticut, after the show he was scheduled to perform in was canceled. The adjustment was more internal, one of perception. When he came back, I went into mom mode. I was thinking to myself, I'm taking care of you. What do you have to worry about? You're just a kid, Miss Camara, 50 said. It took me a minute to realize, no, he's an adult, and he's going through it just like I'm going through it, and in some ways worse than me, he's the one displaced, he lost his tour. Indeed, these were not like the carefree stays of a summer home from college, nor were they brief visits with the pressure release valve of a known end date. The children returned during a year of health risks, economic ruin, and social and political upheaval, and with their own careers and adult responsibilities to manage through a global pandemic that has stretched on without end. But once the shock of events wore off and everyone found a routine, many parents said they were brought closer to their grown children. For the first time in years, with a different feeling, there were family dinners, game nights, watching TV together, exchanging ideas as mature adults. We drink a glass of wine and talk. We sit and watch movies, Miss Cohen, whose daughter remains at home, said. We've never done that before. She can be a girly girl, so she does my nails. It is lovely spending time with her. Last summer, Miss Camara and her son planted a flower garden in her backyard, the first garden for both of them. We just got out there. We worked together as a team really well, Miss Camara said. A reluctant gardener initially, Mr. Alexander said watering the flowers and watching them slowly grow became a way to not only bond with his mother, but come to terms with his interrupted life. He wrote an essay about the experience for a website. It helped me to adjust, he said. This wasn't going to be two weeks, two months. It's going to be a while. It wound up turning into something special. There was, for parents, the added marvel of really seeing who their children had become as adults. Back under the same roof, they had a window into their children's work and social lives and relationships. Leroy Rutherford, 72, watched his daughter, Chrissy Rutherford, start a brand consultancy out of her childhood bedroom in Bedford, New York, where she had been staying since giving up her apartment in Manhattan last April. He may complain about the dirty dishes Miss Rutherford leaves in the sink, but he admires her work ethic. She gets up from eight in the morning and starts working. And seven or eight at night, she's still on her phone or on her computer, Mr. Rutherford said. That was nice seeing her start up something of her own. Miss Schaeffler, the mother in Indianapolis, concurred. You always think they're never going to be able to grow up and cope by themselves, she said. Well, he can, and he has. Just listening to him on his work calls, not eavesdropping, but just listening. He's sounding just like his dad now. I could appreciate and be quite proud of that. More than anything, there was time, precious, unexpected time.
In the summer months, Mr. Vien, his wife, and two children would stop working each day and have lunch together on the deck. He got to watch his son and daughter, four years apart and usually living on opposite coasts, develop a tighter relationship over their stay. His daughter had gone off to college in California at 17 and stayed there during breaks to do internships. And Mr. Vian and his wife had felt time with her had been stolen. The pandemic gave it back. Shannon Holtzman, whose grown daughters, Carolyn and Larkin, both returned home to New Orleans for several months, Carolyn remains there, echoed the sentiment. I regret the pandemic and wish it had never happened, Miss Holtzman said. But for us, this has been a gift. We will likely never have this time again. She marveled aloud. This was the first birthday of mine where I had both daughters home since 2004. If there could be a poster family for quarantining together during the pandemic, it would be the Glazers. That is, Nikki Glazer, a 36-year-old stand-up comedian and actress, and her parents, E.J. and Julie Glazer. When the pandemic struck, Ms. Glazer was in Los Angeles on a work trip. She had invited her parents along, and so she decided not to return to her New York apartment, but to go back with them to her childhood home in St. Louis. As the pandemic grew worse and her comedy gigs and other projects were canceled, she stayed. I thought this would destroy us, me living there for 10 months, she said, but I didn't want to leave. Ms. Glazer has turned being back into her Midwestern childhood home as a single woman and famous person into an extended bit. In TV interviews, like one with Conan O'Brien last May, she appeared on Zoom from her father's home office. When she guest-hosted Jimmy Kimmel Live in July, she booked her parents as the house band, cutting to them in their living room, Mr. Glazer plays acoustic guitar and Mrs. Glazer sings, a show Ms. Glazer had been writing before the pandemic in which she gets canceled by the internet and has to move back home to St. Louis, which used to be some like, I don't know, kind of science fiction thing, she told Mr. O'Brien, became her lived experience. Meanwhile, her parents have become minor celebrities through their appearances on TV and on her social media channels. I have 16,000 followers on Instagram, Mr. Glazer said. His wife chimed in. He had two before this. More important, the couple have reconnected with their daughter, who for years saw her family infrequently as she built her comedy career on the coasts. I have tried to get her to sing with me ever since she was a small child, Mr. Glazer said. She started learning guitar, and we played and sang together a lot during the last few months. After 10 months living with her parents, Ms. Glazer recently moved out and rented her own apartment again in St. Louis. I have always argued that it was for the best, Ms. Glazer said, about choosing to live away from home. This year has made me reflect upon what actually makes me happy. I love my family, and I love being around them. As the pandemic stretches on, some parents, including Ms. Mitchell, continue to house their grown children. Her newborn granddaughter is nearly one, and she and Ms. Mitchell Merrill are closer than ever. In fact, Ms. Mitchell Merrill 
and her husband are considering relocating to Hudson Valley. I do want to be near her now in a way that wasn't as important to me, Ms. Mitchell Merrill said, and I don't want to separate her and my baby. Said Ms. Mitchell, they wouldn't have come back without the pandemic. I do think they're going to find a place in the valley and be nearby, and that will be very great. Other parents are empty nesters again. Marilyn Lumonica, 76 and a psychoanalyst, welcomed her 48-year-old son, daughter-in-law, and 5-year-old grandson into the Brooklyn house she shares with her husband for three months last spring. At first, to be together seemed like a fantasy fulfilled. A return to the large Italian family of her childhood— But between cooking for five people three times a day, worrying about her loved ones getting the virus, and balancing the competing needs of everyone in the house, the experience was something more complicated. Ms. LaMonica called those months a blur and a bundle of mixed feelings, summing up how other parents said they felt. And yet, when it was over, and her son and his family returned to their Manhattan apartment, Ms. LaMonica admitted to a sense of sadness, as if she were letting her child go all over again. It's not rational, she said, but I felt a very deep sense of loss. Now, housing parents in a pandemic. How about the backyard? Marla Tornado and her husband, Adam Keeling, started thinking about building a second home as soon as they bought their first. The house is on a pretty big lot. So we thought about putting something behind it that we would rent out for extra income, Ms. Torado said of the property in Austin, Texas. But then I started talking to my parents about them moving closer to us, and we were like, what if they moved into our backyard? The couple began construction in 2017 on an accessory dwelling unit, also known as an ADU, the broad term for a secondary housing structure built on the property of an existing home. Auxiliary apartments of all types have been a popular means of earning rental income for decades, as well as a way to keep aging family members close. You may know them by their more antiquated nicknames like mother-in-law suites or granny flats. In recent years, though, urban planners and policy wonks have hailed them as a major solution to growing housing shortages for the country's ballooning senior population. The option is especially attractive in denser areas where homes are typically expensive and unfit for people who might someday struggle with stairs and slippery bathtubs. In January, California enacted sweeping regulations to make construction of the units more affordable, praising their ability to give homeowners the flexibility to share independent living areas with family members and others, allowing seniors to age in place as they require more care. Across the country, the coronavirus has accelerated demand, too, as families look to hunker down together. Especially at the beginning of the pandemic, we heard from a lot of people who wanted to build an ADU, said Adam Wall, an architect from Atlanta and New York City. You could hear the urgency in their voices, like, how quickly can we do this? Compounding the frenzy was a growing distrust for senior living facilities and retirement communities, as some have been deadly hot spots for the virus. 
The pandemic has forced people to look at nursing homes and ask themselves, do we need more housing options for older people? And the answer is yes, said Rodney Harrell, who develops AARP's policy on housing. We don't have the right mix of available housing for older people with varying levels of needs, and ADUs are a way to help us fill in those gaps. While these units certainly won't replace nursing homes, Mr. Harrell added, they can provide a safe, comfortable alternative for those who need some day-to-day assistance or want to plan for when that day comes. Over the past two decades, ADUs have gained their strongest foothold in Pacific Northwest cities like Portland and Seattle. Not by coincidence, two municipalities that have also seen explosive population growth and rising housing costs during that time. Portland is home to one of the dwelling movement's most outspoken proponents, Paul Peterson, an architect and the author of Backdoor Revolution, The Definitive Guide to ADU Development. Mr. Peterson has pushed for making zoning laws friendlier to accessory dwellings and for educating homeowners about their advantages. Now, he said, the units are more desirable than ever. With the coronavirus, it's become increasingly evident that ADUs can provide a critical flexibility on your property, Mr. Peterson said. It can fill a number of roles that you may never have needed before, like providing a place for your aging parent to live instead of a nursing home, or for your boomerang kid to come back to when they've lost their job, or for you to work remotely. Affording it is another story, though. Building costs can run from $160,000 to $400,000. That's still generally cheaper than buying a separate property or paying for a senior living facility for a long period. But securing the loans, which people usually do by taking out a home equity line of credit, and obtaining permits can take months, if not longer. That's why there's often a lag between interest in the dwellings and their construction. We probably won't see a quick uptick of interest in ADUs manifest itself in actual housing data for another year or two, Mr. Wall said. One of his clients, Eva Malden, 31, started the process of designing a unit for her backyard in Atlanta before the pandemic hit. Her mother, Carrie Childra, 65, plans to move into it when she retires from her nursing job and sells her home in Athens, Georgia, in the coming years. The virus has put their plans on hold, as both Miss Malden and her husband work in the hospitality industry and wanted to make sure their jobs were stable before proceeding. Still, they remain more committed than ever. The pandemic solidified that an ADU was a good idea, Ms. Malden said. The thought of having mom here with us makes the future less scary. Her mother plans to help out with potential grandchildren in the future. Conversely, Ms. Malden and her husband could eventually provide more hands-on care for her mom at home. It's an expensive decision, but it seems like it'll really be worth the money, Ms. Malden said. 
Finding creative ways to build multi-generational compounds isn't just for those who can afford it, nor is it new. Jacob Wegman, an urban planner and a professor at the University of Texas at Austin, wrote his graduate school thesis about the influx of non-permitted ADUs built in southeast Los Angeles during the 1980s and 90s. They were especially common in neighborhoods with large numbers of Latin American immigrants, where multi-generational housing was part of the culture. Illegal ADUs aren't nearly as widespread anymore, but multi-generational households are on the rise. After declining to its lowest point in 1980, the number of adults living on the same property with their parents or grandparents, was close to its peak in 1950, again by 2016 at 20% of American population, according to a recent Pew analysis. In a lot of ways, the housing arrangements that our society has developed for elderly people in the last 50 years or so are a derivation from the historical norm, Mr. Wegman said. I don't think that assisted living facilities will disappear, but it may be that now is when we start to return to older people moving in with their younger loved ones instead of being sequestered in separate communities. Karen Chapel, the chair of the City and Regional Planning at University of California, Berkeley, built an ADU in her backyard during the country's last major meltdown, the 2008 recession. Crises like this one we're in right now propel action, she said. It'll make sense if the pandemic results in a surge in ADU applications. Even if the decision to build a unit is spurred by wanting to keep mom and dad close during or after the pandemic, there are longer-term upsides as well, Mr. Wegman said. When you look at it as an investment, the rents that these homes can fetch, especially in a hot market location, are going to pay back the cost of building it much faster than other types of housing. From that standpoint, the economics seem like an absolute slam dunk. Why wouldn't these things just mushroom up by the thousands? Mr. Wegman believes that in tandem with new laws like California's, critical mass will make all the difference. Once the business model has become more standardized and organized, and companies know how to get these projects down and churn them out, that's when ADUs will really start to boom, he said. And of course, there are social benefits to be had too. We are definitely carrying the cost, but upsides like childcare and family meals are invaluable to us, Miss Torado said. She was hoping for her parents to settle permanently on her property last year, especially since she and her husband welcomed their first baby over the summer. But the virus delayed their move from Puerto Rico. In the meantime, Miss Torado's sister, Lorna, is living in the house that will become their parents. The pandemic has highlighted the importance of keeping your loved ones close, she said. Being able to isolate with family makes the whole experience less isolating. Yes, the pandemic has certainly highlighted the benefits of diverse family living situations. From last week's program on the benefits of small greenhouse home skilled nursing facilities, senior parents moving into ADU housing in their children's backyards, to adult children moving in with their parents, seeking refuge from the consequences of the pandemic. Changing housing options can foster 
positive family relationships. Thanks for listening, and until next week, I'm Kathy Van Skoik.